What happens when a blind man, a woman of color, and a child of immigrants get together to discuss how diversity, inclusion, and equity affect your business? Hi everybody, welcome to the Choose Inclusion podcast. I'm UB, and I am the Latino white guy of the group. I'm Nina, I am the woman of color in the group. And I'm Mike, I'm uh, the blind guy. Welcome back, everybody, to the next Choose Inclusion podcast. I am here with my co-host, Ubaldo and Nina. Thank you guys for joining us today. Hello, hello. And uh, we've got the distinct honor of being joined by Jeff Singleton, who is with AppGate. And uh, Jeff, thank you so much for joining us today on the Choose Inclusion podcast. Thank you for having me. Uh, I'd like to just, uh, again, softball, uh, just, I, I'm so impressed with your A11Y uh, experience and prowess, but I'd love to get uh, a little bit more of your background, Jeff, if you don't mind. Uh, tell us a little bit about you. A little bit about me. Well, I didn't start off in IT, that's for sure, but I was one of those uh, people that had computers at an early age, I guess you could say, and uh, so I, I was exposed to them at an early early part of my life and then kind of dropped off using them and went into uh, engineering. Uh, When I finally figured out I wanted to do something other than civil engineering, uh, I uh, kind of started moving back into the computer realm of things and ended up getting a job up up north with one of the big software manufacturers up there in the Seattle area. And I didn't know it at the time, but because I was doing more of a user interface testing, a lot of the stuff I was doing was really related to, you know, user experience, but also around accessibility as well. And as as accessibility, you know, Section 508 came out and all that, and as that started to get more traction, I started to hear more about that and started to realize, well, that's kind of the, the area that I'm already doing things in. And then at some point, I decided to get out of technology uh, because I, I was just I just it was too fast paced, I guess, at the time. It was just taking too much of my time with a family at home and all that. So I wanted to become a welder. Uh, but as it turned out, that didn't happen. I actually got sucked back in uh, <laughs> because I saw a job ad posted on Craigslist for an accessibility tester. And I thought, oh, I could do that for a little while. And uh, so I, that's where I met uh, Kid Nakata, as, as you, we know as a together. And um, from that point forward, I've been working with Ken ever since. And uh, we've been going down this accessibility path since then and that was back in 2007 I think it was and it's that's still where we're going we're still chugging along well and tell, tell us a little bit about AppGate and and you know what is because you guys are very service oriented and I know you guys have a have a product or two as well but uh, you and Ken Nakata who will be joining us um, uh, also on the podcast uh, are uh, you got, you guys really offer services to organizations. Can you tell us a little bit about the services that you offer? Sure. So by, by way of history, a lot of folks might, if they're familiar with, uh, have been familiar with the accessibility area for any length of time, might remember the name High Software. That's where uh, Ken and I kind of first started uh, working primarily on accessibility. Um, and they had the product called Compliance Sheriff at the time. And so that product has since gone through some different, changing of hands to where we're at a company now called AppGate. And they're primarily, AppGate itself is primarily a network security focused, but we've kind of been acquired along for the ride. And so we focus not so much on the network security side, but really on the accessibility side. And so a lot of the services we offer besides having an enterprise level scanning solution, 
uh, that being compliance sheriff, is uh, Ken and I primarily work on the consulting side. So what we do is we'll do what we call baseline audits uh, for, for organizations that might need to get a feel for where do they currently stand as far as the accessibility of their web properties. And we do more than that as well, though. We, we can get into some of the training, although we don't do too much training anymore. We have done that in the past. Um, but we also get into doing some more of the physical aspects of accessibility. Uh, we've done software testing. We've done some hardware testing. Uh, we just got wrapped up a project doing some uh, ATM testing for a large bank. And, um, and the way we met Mike uh, is through some of the projects we have with NASA where we actually get to go in and, and uh, review some of these science uh, centers and museums um, to see how well they're providing inclusion to their visitors. And so there's a lot of different aspects, moving parts to that. Um, but I primarily focus on the digital aspect of some of those exhibits instead of the, say, the built environment. But so we, we do quite a, a wide array of things. It really just kind of depends on what the needs are when somebody comes to us seeking assistance. Jeff, I'm kind of curious, like, you know, when it comes to becoming aware of accessibility in tech, I mean, I think a lot of people are exposed to tech, well, especially, you know, people who were born in the last 20 years, maybe, you know, just grew up with, with tech in their hands, right? And now it's just become this ubiquitous thing, yet accessibility is not the first conversation that anyone has when they're talking about tech. Mm -hmm. um, I was only exposed to it probably in the last decade, and it was probably because there were already advocates out there talking about it. And I heard about, I heard them. I got an opportunity to work with people with disabilities, and that's kind of how I was able to actually learn about accessibility. But how how did you get exposed to it? So I initially got exposed to accessibility through when I was working. Um, up north there in Seattle for the software manufacturer and I was working on their uh, networking side of things and doing the UI testing and my very first exposure is this was when uh, when I would say Windows XP had just shipped or was just about ready to ship and one of the things we were called upon to do is to sit in sit in front of I think it was a group of three or four individuals in this room and we had to show them that we could go through the different portions of the UI that we owned responsibility for and actually navigate it with the keyboard and be able to, to configure everything just with the keyboard. And I thought that was kind of strange at first and I really didn't understand why, um, but we did it we, and we passed, uh, you know, everything worked okay. And then later on, that's when I started hearing about Section 508 at the time. And uh, so the pieces kind of started to fall together at that point for me and, and it just kind of progressed from that point. Can you, just real quick, I, can you all um, e explain what A11Y is, just for, for the audience who may not know what that is? Mike, you referenced it when you first um, introduced Jeff. Sure, Jeff, do you want to give uh, uh, your specific, you know, when, when we're talking, I mean, A11Y, just as an acronym, is, is uh, the word accessibility. Uh, there are 11 characters between the A and the Y. And so in the accessibility space, uh, which is, uh, you know, which covers, you know, again, Section 508 of the Rehabilitation Act, and it also, also covers the WC3 WCAG, so Web Content Accessible Guidelines, uh, which is the private sector's, uh, you know, WWW World Wide Web, um, way of discussing accessibility and accessibility again to shorten it uh, because there are so many vowels you just say a11y so um, Jeff did I miss anything with that description 
I don't think so. I mean, me personally, I don't normally use the term A11Y because I, I guess because of being around prior to that, what I, what I would call a movement, even though it's the A11Y project, I think of it more of a, of a grassroots movement in the sense that uh, it's really trying to get the message out there uh, to people that, hey, this is something that's beneficial to all and, and here's some things you can do uh, to, to, to get on board and, and to start to learn about this and see how you can incorporate that into your own products. So that's a great movement. Um, it's just not one that I've ever gotten into the habit of calling it A11Y for whatever reason, but uh, I hear it all the time, <laughs> but yeah, I, I do think I, uh, it's a great resource. I was only introduced to that concept through Twitter and then I started using it all the time. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's definitely a great resource as they do provide a lot of information and, and a lot of, uh, do a lot to, to bring interest, or not interest, but at least uh, exposure to the accessibility world uh, to a lot of people. So it's and and I know um, Jeff, you and Ken uh, Appgate, your uh, a lot of times your focus is um, external, right? Like ADA Title Three, it's the consumer facing uh, side of. Uh, of products is is that right? And can you kind of explain a little bit of that? Sure. So, I mean, we do get involved with more of the ADA side of things on some of our projects. Um, and of course, the, when we refer to the ADA, Americans with Disabilities Act, that's primarily focused on the built environment, you know, wheelchair ramps and, you know, bathroom stalls and that kind of thing. Um, it, it does bleed over a lot of times into the digital world uh, when it comes to conversation. Um, but ultimately, when it comes to the digital world, we're either looking at the Section 508 guidelines if we're talking to a federal entity, because that's kind of where they're required to, to look. And of course, if you're familiar with the Section 508 refresh that happened in the, I think it was January 2018 now that came out, um, that, that points to the WCAG 2.0 guidelines level A and AA by reference. So Section 508 used to have their own set of guidelines, but now they've kind of for web content anyways, they've, they've adopted those guidelines. And that WCAG uh, stands for Web Accessibility, let's see, WIC, WCAG, Web Content Accessibility Guidelines is what that stands for. And that's just a set of standards that the W3 has out there to, to help people have a target to meet. And it's structured, the structure of that, those whole guidelines can be very confusing at times. And that's, I believe that's one of the reasons why Ken and I do get some of the work we get um, is because they are, hard to understand and, and, it, and it takes time to, to not only understand them, but to understand them in such a way that you can apply them across different user groups and in order to benefit um, those groups, such as maybe somebody who might be completely blind as opposed to somebody that might have a mobility issue. So they, they do apply across the board, but um, kind of have to know how to do that. And that's where I think where some of the expertise comes in around the WCAG guidelines. Well, and I, I find, uh, again, know, knowing a lot of people in the space, um, whether it's 508 or WCAG, ALMY, what, what, in the accessibility space, so much of the conversation is that consumer-facing side, right? The, um, that, that consumer uh, end of the platforms. Uh, however, and you know the conversations I've had with you and Ken, uh, BIT, Blind Institute of Technology, we really say like, okay, hey, if organizations are making uh, in, in legally, right, they've, they've got regulations that they are meant to do this, the mm -hmm. same level of efforts to make uh, content accessible from a consumer side is, is, are the same techniques, it's the same methodologies that you can use for internal applications, which mm -hmm. then address, of course, um, 
you know, the ADA Title I, which is the hire to fire uh, title. And it, uh, it, BIT's mission is all about the unemployment epidemic within the professionals with disabilities community. And so we're always uh, beating the drum that's saying, hey, guys, if you're going to make the investment you know, for this, for uh, with it within your digital landscape, you know, capitalize on that bang for the buck and and start leveraging some of those techniques, um, uh, in, encoding techniques and such to do it on your internal applications too. Um, talk to me a little bit, and I know uh, a lot of the work that you and Ken do is is generally more on the on the consumer facing, but um, you know, w- w- what say you on you know that conversation about bringing those techniques and such internally? No, you're spot on, Ken. I mean, uh, Mike, sorry. Um, We do end up facing or focusing more on the external facing, the public facing aspects of these web apps assets that are out there. And the reason is, is because it's sadly, it's all too often not the fact that companies really want to do that. Um, as opposed to they're kind of forced to do that through litigation or something like that. Now, on the plus side, we have seen some of the larger uh, clients that we work with and that have come to us recently, they're coming to us more in a proactive sense. They're starting to realize that there's a lot of benefit to having an accessible interface uh, for everybody, even somebody that might have might not have any kind of impairment. There's benefits to that. It's just a better overall user experience. So it's nice to see that change of thought process uh, across some of these larger corporations as well. Um, but that being said, one of the things we do recommend often is to, to pay attention to what the internal facing things for employees and make sure those accommodations are being taken care of. Uh, unfortunately, because a lot of these organizations are kind of starting out um, at a deficit, I should say, I could say, I guess, because they don't have a whole lot of knowledge around what the guideline means or how to go about implementing them and, and things like that. It, it is going to be primarily the public facing uh, parts of their web assets that they're gonna be focused on right now. Um, I do would think that af- after they start to see um, the benefits that come from doing that, that this would start to move into more of the internal intranet side of things as well. But I just don't see that as a trend right now, unfortunately. Thanks for listening to the Choose Inclusion podcast. Make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And you can see closed captioning for this podcast on our YouTube channel. You can find us online on our website, chooseinclusion.com and contact us on Twitter at Choose Inclusion.